two. Check, check, check. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Good to be back. Uh, what a Monday. What a weekend. What a weekend across the country. What a weekend in North America. Wild card football weekend. We got a Bills playoff game tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. Had to be postponed. Uh, I want to talk about it. I don't even think we're going to have time to talk about that. I don't even think we're going to have time to talk about the deep freeze anywhere else in the world other than this country. We're not even going to talk about Ontario today when it comes to cold. It's freezing cold where I'm from, which is uh, the greater Toronto area. But it was much colder out west. And joining me today for uh, reprogrammed, please welcome my compatriot. My name is Dean Blundell, and this, my friends, is it's Charles Adler. <laughs> I'm trying to imper- I'm trying to impersonate the people who want to be me. Charles Adler. That's no how, can that's be how they do it. You know that. You know that. I'm sure you've had people growing up like, dude, you're my mentor, right? So I grew up trying to be you. Didn't work. Everybody's like, stop trying to sound like Adler. You sound like an idiot. Charles. Pull it. Pull it, baby. Pull it. Uh, But Charles joins us from the chilly province of Winnipeg, and we brought in a heater today. Please welcome uh, from Canada's National Post lead columnist, good buddy of mine. And today he's in a very sharp turtleneck. Please welcome Max Fawcett, ladies and gentlemen. National Observer. Yes. Thank you, Charles. National Observer. (laughs) Oh, sorry. National of Canada's national. You're obsessed, Dean. You're obsessed with post media, and 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 your obsession got in the way of giving Max Fawcett a proper introduction. National Observer. They're not the same. Different different planets. Oh, they take take more. They take more taxpayer money than we do. For one thing. Yeah, but are they getting their carbon tax check? That's the question I have. Like, does the National Post get a carbon tax check like the National Observer gets a carbon tax check? Because if you're taking that carbon tax check, you're you're giving into the man, Max. You're into it. But the real question is, how does Post Media get all that? How does Post Media get the lion's share of money when they have not agreed to being a lapdog for Justin Trudeau? Yeah, it's like I mean, they 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 broke the system. They get the money without taking his editorials. I don't know how they do it. I don't, I have no idea how that works because I you know I I, I was I was so convinced by by the posties as it were, uh, not uh, the Canadian Union of Postal Workers, but by the National Post. I was so convinced for such a long time that the only media people who get money from the federal government are people who agree uh, to be. A butler, a, a lapdog, a sycophant for Justin Trudeau. So it's just yeah, that's where we that get theory that the National Post is destroying its own propaganda. And if I were if I were working there, I'd, I'd put in a grievance. <laughs> I, By the I, way, Max, do they have an office? Does the National Post actually have an office? No, they uh, they so they just closed their newsroom in Toronto, I believe, their physical newsroom. Uh, the offices here were closed a while ago. The Herald is all work from home now. So basically the entire, as far as I can tell, the entire chain maybe outside of, um, the BC papers, the Vancouver papers, uh, is, is by and large work from home. Um, so, you know, I can't begrudge them for it. Cause that seems to be the direction that every, uh, media company is going in these days, but, but don't, don't they have an editorial position about how corporations should, Make sure oh, that they have offices right. uh, to employ people and yeah, support hot dog vendors. Seen, and do you know how many National Post articles I've seen about you know saving commercial real estate and getting people back to work? And they send everybody home. Is that correct? Yeah. No, you can't expect them to be intellectually consistent, though. That's that's <laughs> that's not what the money's for. <laughs> hey, speaking of money, 
Can we just get right into it? Uh, Alberta, your home province, Max, in mm-hmm. the city of Calgary, Alberta, puts out this crazy warning this weekend. <laughs> crazy warning. It's like, it's going to be really effing cold, it says. Alberta Emergency Act issued by uh, AEMA, the Alberta Emergency Medical Association. Is that correct? Uh, Management? Emergency Management. management. Emergency Management, yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, The alert and effect for Alberta, extreme cold resulting in high power demand has placed the Alberta grid at high risk of rotating power outages this evening. This is on Saturday, I believe. Albertans asked to con- asked to immediately limit their electricity use to essential needs only, turn off unnecessary lights, electrical appliances, minimize the use of space heaters. It was like minus 46 when this went out, apparently, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Yeah, minimize that's, those that's space without, heaters. That's without the windshield. Yeah, but get, Dean, get, get to the enemy of humankind, the, oh. e, <laughs> the, e, the, the dangerous e-vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, delay the use of major power appliances <laughs> like ovens and stuff and furnaces, delay charging electrical vehicles. Okie dokie. Let's talk about that. Plugging in block heaters, cook with microwave <laughs> instead of your stove. For more info, visit Alberta Electrical System Operator uh, website. We'll get to some of the reaction. I want your experience, Max. You're in Calgary, right? Climate change guy, you write climate change for Canada's National Observer, something that all scientists around the world agree is a problem. Um, Alberta's been literally fighting with the rest of the world, trying to tell everybody we got lots of we got lots of oil, we got lots of natural gas. We don't need your stinking windmills. Uh, they're the only province that had to put out. A, Charles is laughing; it's making me laugh. They're the only province that has to put out an alert going, "Use the Bunsen burner." <laughs> Light your furniture on fire. Uh, how many like how many EV how many e vehicles in in Alberta are draining the massive yeah. grid wow. in Alberta? How many e vehicles are are poisoning um, Albertans' opportunity for freedom? I mean, there's pro- there's probably ten thousand EVs in in Alberta, and I mean, the funny thing is that the people the people who own them are all because they all self select. Uh, you know, they're all smart. They're all you know, people who are uh, wise about sort of energy economics, things like that, they were all already not charging. Uh, you know, I, all the people I know who had EVs because they can they can set the charging schedule uh, on an app or something like there's nobody that was charging uh, when it was, you know, peak demand on the grid because they're conscientious citizens and uh, that's just not how they operate. So it was just such a ludicrous thing to include in an emergency alert because, um, it's just, it was a rounding error on a rounding error. If you really wanted to reduce demand, you should have told all the downtown office towers that were lit up like Christmas trees to turn their lights off. Uh, <laughs> no, no mention of that, of course. Um, but 10,000 people with electric vehicles, you know, you guys are the problem. You need to, to get your shit together. So the, the whole crisis from, from well, start let's to not finish. Forget about Max Fawcett's oven. Like right, they of course, wanted yeah. that thing shut right the fuck off. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Use yeah, your you, microwave. You're having your microwave tonight. <laughs> well, did you see there was a reaction from a uh, pastor in Red Deer who who went uh, full sort of MAGA about it, saying the government can't tell me what to cook with. They can't tell me what to do. I'm gonna, you know, there's definitely a few hundred people who had their all their lights <laughs> and their gas stoves turned up full just to own the government. Just a, is his name Sean Ham? And his do name, I have his name right is, here? yes, that's, I do. That's the guy. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so to your point, Alberta puts out the alert saying, shut it down. 
unplug your EVs, which just fucking makes me laugh. Uh, Charles is still laughing. And Sean Ham, pastor from Red Deer, big fan of MAGA. Here he is with uh, here he is with your boy Mike Flynn. There's a solid yep. citizen, right? Yep. Uh, says, quote, the government doesn't get to dictate to me how many lights I have on and how to cook my food. We will not comply. <laughs> is this is, is this going to be the next kind of anti-vax thing? Like, you know, have your ovens and, and everything go 24-7 to talk back to the man type of thing? I mean, is this, is this the next uh, cause? I mean, I think they, I think they honestly thought that this was the federal government telling them to do it. Of course, I think, I think they thought they were owning Justin Trudeau. Um, you know, I mean, I think the the, the nice thing here is that we're not going to have hopefully many of these situations going forward, so there's not that many opportunities for them to own the libs. But um, yeah, it just speaks to the the sort of childish, petulant mindset of that group where they they. They exist to tell people that they're not going to comply. You know, like Max, let me get let me get really serious here for a moment. Uh, I can't remember how many narrations I did as a as a younger person uh, for various uh, companies uh, talking up uh, Canada. And one of the things that snuck into all those things, I remember narrating with you know mellifluous narrator <laughs> tones, okay, pear shaped tones about how Canada was the most reliable, most reliable source of power for citizens, but most important for these narrations, for business. That business, no matter where the business was located, no matter where the head office, come to Canada. And if there's anything that you can absolutely rely on in, in Canada, 100%, no matter where you are in Canada, no matter where you're doing biz in business in Canada, is power. So just a, a, a softball question for you. How on earth does the energy capital of North America Alberta, how does Alberta run out of energy to power Alberta residents and businesses? How can that even happen? Because we deregulated our electricity market in the late 90s, and we have set up a system that does not reward or financially incentivize uh, capacity. It doesn't, it doesn't create a buffer. It really only pays producers for the electricity that they generate. And so there's no incentive for them to, to build in a, a buffer of safety the way there is with a crown corporation. Um, and, and they're really just about maximizing their profits. And, you know, by the way, they have been maximizing their profits over the last uh, two years, ever since um, things called power purchase agreements. This gets very wonky very fast. But um, the, the sort of the, the way that they the province used to buy power, it expired at the end of 2020. Um, and what's been happening over the last little while is the the electricity providers, who are a small number of companies, it's an oligopoly, have been deliberately withholding electricity to drive up prices, which is why the electricity prices in Alberta are literally double uh, that of BC, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, you name it. Uh, so softball and, question number two. Yep. Do companies, the all-important private sector, do they also pay more for power? than the private sector does, than private sector businesses do in British Columbia or Ontario or Manitoba or Saskatchewan. Yep, they have lately, for sure. Um, some of them have, have their own purchase agreements with power providers that are sort of uh, shielded from the market, so they're not sort of being subjected to those sorts of fluctuations. But, I mean, it's very telling to me that, you know, Alberta is surrounded on both sides by crown corporations in the electricity space, and we were bailed out 
uh, over the weekend by Saskatchewan, which sent us coal and natural gas electricity, and that their premier felt the need to brag about it, which was very on brand for him. And BC, which is all powered by hydro, uh, and their premier did not need to brag about it. But you know, we were we were bailed out by two socialist crown corporations uh, here in in capitalist Alberta, and it just speaks to the fact that the system we have is a complete and utter shit show and needs to be changed. The The NDP, when it was in power, tried to change it. And one of the first things that the UCP did when they got into power in 2019 was kill that. So, uh, so you know. So if a Crown Corporation is supplying electricity, but most important from my point of view, creating safety for Albertans, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, and it's not a Crown Corp, but it's a Crown Corp in, in other provinces. So if a Crown Corp is providing safety for citizens and yep. it's socialist yep. does that mean a hospital that provides safety <laughs> for citizens is also socialist uh i believe by the definitions that these people are using yes they that basically all safety is socialist charles marxist <laughs> communist socialist yeah anything anything protective anything good for you anything that helps okay. you anything keeps so you safe the police i would agree completely the marxist. police the police service the ambulance service and the fire service yep. are presumably also socialist Traffic lights, socialist, you know, food safety regulations, socialist. Uh, let's not forget about tooth straightening braces, the most socialist event you could have on your child. Yeah. I mean, you know, anything that helps, forget it. Um, well, so Max, I, just want, I just want to add a point. Friend, please, of the yeah. sh friend of the show, Peter McCaffrey, who was on with me a while back, uh, blamed the, I believe, Marxist uh, radicals or radical Marxists. Uh, yeah. behind the green energy revolution and said we have a choice between you know prosperous uh, fossil fuels or or green marxism and it's just like uh, some of the you know, texas has more wind and solar than anywhere else of in course. north america do we yeah. think that there's socialists and marxists down there well do no. we do we think that if a, do we think that if an oligopoly you know just a handful of very rich people uh have the gun to the heads of albertans residents and businesses do we and and making making life and the free market more expensive for residents and businesses? How on earth is it socialist to have a crown corporation providing better prices, but most important, twenty four seven safety in 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 the country? And I, I, you know, I, I ask some of these you know softball questions just because you know I, I I need to make the case, and I guess I need to make the case every day. It's not just Dean, not just you, but I think those of us uh, who are not um, steeped in hillbilly ideology have got to make the case that these terms like socialist being used all the time on everything, sorry, socialist and pedophile, you yeah. know, are absolutely meaningless. And the moment people hear these terms being used by, by certain right-wing forces, I think, you know, we owe it to the audience to tell them it means nothing. It means, it means that you are... Being seen as a person who couldn't get out of grade six, they're, that's how you're they're insulting your intelligence. And, we, they, you know, I, I don't care how they change their act, but I think their act needs to be called out, especially by those of us who happen to be free enterprise people. You know, yeah. Dean Blundell doesn't shun dollars. Uh, I've never been known to shun a dollar. And neither have you, Max Fawcett. You know, we're, we're not socialists. Look at that turtleneck. Tell me he shuns dollars. <laughs> yeah. We're, 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 we're not socialists, but we resent the hell out of uh, the idea that institutions that we all need 
okay, for our safety, whether we're rich, poor, or somewhere in the middle, we need hospitals, we need police, we need fire, and we need secure energy. That is not a socialist idea. It's an educated idea because we know how countries get it wrong. Canada gets it right most of the time. That's why Canada is not broken and Canada is not socialist. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so, Max, I want to get back to something you said. Is that You said Alberta profit takes. They don't want to keep any power in storage so they can keep the supply and demand at a point where they can actually maximize profits. And uh, we've had some really good citizen journalism over the past weekend about the province of Alberta. This one comes to mind where he kind of filled this in about seems Tom St. Dennis current price pool price of uh, a megawatt hour in Ontario. It's 162 Alberta 470. So to your point, four times uh, the, the limit now, now what is the education process like in that province when, because I know that to be true as of last night, peak was almost five times what it was worth in Alberta than it was in Ontario. I think last night around six fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, if I've done my math right and I'm no electrician, is it that Alberta just needs more lightning catchers to put the lightning in the copper wire or <laughs> call me crazy, call me crazy is there some like profit-taking shenanigans that have been going on in Alberta, uh, which is kind of explains a lot about the renewable, the anti-renewable stance and the ability that that province has to want to be able to shut everybody out because we just found some shit out over the past few days. Don't have an electricity. You don't have enough for the people of that beautiful province, four and a half million people that live in Alberta. And they just got the scare of their lives on the coldest weekend in the last 40 years where a lot of people could have froze to death. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K. .io. Back to the show. As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io. Do you believe? The good people at FactCheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources, and there's going to be a weapon button too where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip. And they use some of the finest software technology 
to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. Yeah, a big part of it is this, we, we need a system that rewards people, rewards private sector power generators for keeping some, uh, some energy in reserve, you know, holding some back. Because in most other markets, that's the role that the, the crown corporations play. We obviously don't have one here. Um, and I, I do think that the government here will probably move in that direction. Uh, they've, they've sort of made noises around that. The, the irony is we have a bunch of natural gas fired electricity coming online, um, actually literally just came online a couple of weeks ago and is still ramping up. And then we'll be coming online over the course of, uh, of 2024. The, Alberta actually added more natural gas electricity last year than ever in its history. So that sort of puts the lie to the idea that, that we can't build it here, which is what Daniel Smith has been saying uh, over and over again. So we're- Wait a second, wait a second. Are you telling me that the PMO, that Trudeau's PMO allowed Alberta to build natural gas capacity? Not only that, uh, but we have record oil and gas production here. So they're not doing a very good job of killing the oil and gas industry either. Uh, shame, of, shame, bunch of, shame, bunch of shame. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, the, the interesting thing is the way that the, the market looks like it's going to be over the next little while, we will have surplus for probably a few years just because of the new, the new uh, plants that are coming online over the next 12 months. That should buy us time to build a new market that allows us to add renewables, um, take some of the sort of uh, dirtier, higher emitting gas and the rest of the coal offline and not have blackouts. But that's only going to only going to happen if we have a government that actually follows the process in good faith, that listens to experts, that doesn't use it as an opportunity to, um, you know, attack the federal government. And we clearly don't have that here. So um, it would be nice if um, we use the time that we're about to have uh, to, to build a new, a better and new system. But uh, my hopes are not particularly high on that front. Didn't the management association, the, the energy management, the, the, the government body that put out the alert, didn't they say this morning that uh, that they're, that people are no longer being asked to you know, replace their stoves with Bunsen burners and all that um, because of renewables? What wasn't it? Solar panels and, and wind farms that saved the day. Not not according to some uh, you know socialist, but according to mm -hmm. the provincial government. Didn't they just say that like a couple of hours ago? They did. They said that the alert was off because uh, wind and solar were, were generating higher than anticipated levels. There was actually a few points over the weekend where wind uh, outproduced the expectations and, and really kind of bailed us out there as well. That That's not a story that's ever going to get told by this government. But, you know, they... they they are indicting wind and solar for being things that no one expects them to be, right? No well, one. Not, but, but weren't birds weren't birds killed by by the windmills? Well, not, whales, just, not just birds, but whales. Whales. Yes, right? killer course, whales. Yeah. yeah, though that ironically, there was a study that just came out that said oil and gas kills many, many multiples more birds than than wind farms ever do. But uh, you know that won't see the light of day here. I, I mean, I think you know the the communications work that the province is doing around this is very bad faith, very disingenuous, and it's going to be very effective because most people don't understand how electricity works. I mean, that honestly, that that dumb stuff from Polyev about people catching lightning, like I think there's a lot of people who think that that's not far off the truth. Um, and so we have this very complicated system and we have a government offering a very simple answer that it's, you know, it's those guys' fault. It's the wind and solar's fault. Uh, and when you kind of tie that up in the culture war stuff and in, in the fact that 
it's perceived as being a threat to the you know the livelihoods here in Alberta and the and the dominant industry. I think a lot of people are going to fall for that. They're not going to think about it any further than 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 you know what the government is giving them, and that's a problem. Uh, especially when the federal government can't really come in here and try to shepherd the conversation in a good direction because they're not trusted. Uh, they've actually made some pretty big mistakes on on their own end of the file. Uh, and it kind of feels like all that's left is we have a few academics at the universities who are really smart and really knowledgeable, desperately trying to bring some uh, some actual facts and common sense to this. And uh, unfortunately, I don't like their odds. But yeah. there's absolutely nothing new about generating electrical power. Like, this has been going on forever. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, some political organization coming out against the wheel, you know? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, yeah. I, I know I know it may be complicated for some people, but but it's certainly not complicated for Canada, which has been teaching the rest of the world how to do these things. Well, and the irony. Be, the ir I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, a, a, a sycophant for all things Canadian. Yes, I love the country. That's an emotional thing. But this, we're just about an intellectual thing. We teach the developing world how to do this. It's it's so difficult for me to, I guess, as just as a citizen, to believe that politically, it, people can be so effective at denying the undeniable. Yeah, I mean, it would be one thing if Alberta was bad at wind and solar. If you know, if it was like Ontario in in the early two thousands, where they were procuring renewable energy and it was super expensive, like it was you know five or six times more expensive than nuclear, um, then they would have an argument. But right now, wind and solar in Alberta is you can bring it online at super low costs. Uh, it's super effective. Um, it's not baseload, but no one expects it to be baseload. And guess what? The more of it we bring on, the more we can sell to Montana, BC, and Saskatchewan. We have a vibrant trade in electricity out of this province. There was a good piece in the Calgary Herald recently that said, you know, if we bring on a, uh, more wind and solar, it means we can sell more of it. We can make more money, uh, which, you know, I always thought was kind of the driving force here. But this has become a culture war thing. It's it's two legs bad, four legs good. Um, and that never ends well for for anyone, really. So okay, let me let me just ask a question about oil and gas. I get that oil and gas, the oil and gas uh, industries are sacred cows, and I have no trouble understanding why they're sacred cows in Alberta. But how does any of this, this this you know, business of the of, of hydro, I call I still call it hydro, electrical power, being in the hands of this uh, this oligol ol oligopoly, how does this help oil and gas in Alberta? It helps gas because it sustains the demand for natural gas. The, you know, the more, the longer we can hold on to natural gas as the, the key part of our electricity system, the more demand there is for the companies that are pulling it out of the ground. And there's sort of like a, a feedback loop there, a virtuous circle between the oil and gas industry and the electricity industry. And they have a lot of people in common, a lot of companies in common. Um, yeah, but my point, my point, I, Max, is that if if there was a crown corp, if it was let's call it Alberta Hydro for lack of a better name, if a crown corp was was running things, would that crown corp, which is clearly dominated by the government because it's an agency of government, would they not be as kind and and purchase as much oil and gas? Get we're talking about gas here. Would they not purchase as much natural gas as these oligopolists that are running the the power industry? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, I think there is actually a fairly good case uh, for the creation of a 
uh, provincial crown corporation right now that that operates natural gas facilities and kind of operates them in a way that they are the 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 emitter of last resource. You know, they backstop us for these minus forty uh, events that happen in winter. But there's a mindset in Alberta where you know why would the, why should we let the government make money when the private sector could make it instead? Right. But the um, private sector is being dinged up. It's more it's more expensive doing it this way. That's the point I'm making. Yes, some members of the totally. private, a small handful of people, we call them, you know, the oligopoly. Let's just say a, a handful of private sector people are making money on this. But the overwhelming majority of people, in like 99.9% of the private sector is paying more for this. So they're not they're not benefiting. That's why I don't understand if you're going to be a if you're going to be a free market fundamentalist, how on earth does this help most people in the free market, costing them more, right? You know, I'll use the word tax because tax is such a loaded term. The way that power is being uh, managed in Alberta right now is a tax. It's an energy tax, a power tax on the private sector. Well, Charles, you're already a better communicator on this stuff than the Alberta NDP has ever been, um, because you're right. It is a tax on small business. It is a tax on innovators and entrepreneurs. Part of the problem is that a lot of the voices, you know, for the business community, the the you know business council of Alberta, the the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, that the the ones that get the most ink, tend to be dominated by the big oligopolistic players. The business council of Alberta was actually co-founded uh, by Nancy Southern, who is uh, the CEO of Atco, which used to run coal plants in the province, which has a big hand in electricity uh, and other and other areas. Like they are they are all in these organizations uh, putting. The, the needs of sort of the biggest players, the biggest oligopolistic names, ahead of the rest of the uh, right. the rest of the province's business community. So, so small business you know, was, generates most of the jobs in Alberta and elsewhere. Small business is being oppressed by the political elites of Alberta. You're very good at this. You really should talk to the people <laughs> at the Alberta NDP because you got a few. You, know, I don't, you, take, you can take this to the bank. I really don't cut it as an NDP or <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> that's sure. like that's the worst I, thing you could say to Charles, right? Where it's like, hey, you could probably well, help the NDP out here. He's like, those commies. Um, Max, I, I got a question for you because I, I want to get to the personal here. Like you, you know, we're we're talking about fundamental issues when it comes to governance, the electrical grid, profit taking, natural resources. We're going through the gamut. But what was your experience like on Saturday? Like, where were you when you get the the emergency alert, it's like an Amber alert, right? Like everybody's phones started to go off. And did you panic or were you like, come on? And and here's the other question I have for you. I want your experience because there's another narrative going around that the timing of this emergency uh, notice was very interesting. And there's I got a video I'll play for you in a bit that I want your opinion on. But your experience and then did you go, oh, there's got to be a conspiracy theory related to this. This is too, too convenient. So I was actually out for dinner uh, for my wife's birthday. Mm. Um, the the restaurant that we were planning on going to had all their pipes burst, so we had to go to a different one. That was that was quite something. Were they using but, stoves? Were the stoves on late night for this dinner? It was everything mi- microwave. Oh, sorry for everything. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah, it was just Swanson's all around. But uh, <laughs> no, it, it was it was an it was an it was an interesting experience because it was a group dinner. It was a lot of people, and we all got the notification and and. Um, Definitely some eyebrows were raised. Um, I mean, I think we all knew tracking, those of us who were sort of tracking the, the state of play throughout the day, that it could go this way, that, 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 that things were on a, a knife's edge. Um, but like I said, like driving to the restaurant through downtown Calgary, 
sure seemed like there was a lot of lights on that didn't need to be on in these big corporate towers. It didn't didn't feel like everyone was kind of pulling in the same direction on that stuff. And then, yeah, when you got the the text of the notice and then you saw what the premier was tweeting and how it sort of called out wind and solar, uh, it just it felt a little bit too political um, to be a strictly sort of emergency oriented communications. I have no doubt that it it came from the emergency uh, or, you know, the, the emergency folks. I maybe they were just trying to get along, go along to get along using the right messaging. I don't know what it is, but it, it, it certainly felt like someone in the premier's office would have been happy with the timing of that going out um, because I think it helps them advance their argument against wind and solar. Mm. Yeah, I, I, totally. And I'm listen, I'm one of those guys that like, I don't like conspiracy theories. I, I find that I, I scrap with conspiracy theorists on a daily basis where it's like, come on, get your head out of the clouds. Right. And so when this whole thing happened, there was a video that went out and I'm like, man, it's convenient, right? Like three, four months ago, I'm driving down to downtown Toronto and I'm on Queen Street and I see this streetcar and it's all blacked out. And it's a, it's an advertisement for the government of Alberta saying no one wants a blackout minus 30. Well, you almost had a blackout at minus 50 in the energy capital province of the country. So to me, there was like this weird telegraphing thing where I'm like, man, I don't know if I can believe this shit but at the same time it's like it was so convenient i want to play this video for you because this video really kind of speaks to me and my inner conspiracy theorist <laughs> and the fact that one province the energy capital province of this country in the middle of the country that is supposed to be selling and donating and giving get it's like like they got it all they got all the oil they got the gas they're like now nah, we just want to be able to do what we want to do couldn't do it for themselves, nonetheless, anybody else. But the timing's interesting. Let's watch this together. As extreme cold conditions continue across Canada, Alberta is experiencing some of the consequences. Specifically, they had to issue a province-wide emergency alert. Why? Because they were out of electricity. High power demand put the Alberta grid at risk of shutdown. And as a result, they put out an emergency alert asking people to reduce their consumption. And the alert worked. Consumption dropped significantly over the next couple of hours and the Alberta grid was able to avoid rolling blackouts. But there's a couple of important things to discuss here. So predictably, Danielle Smith posted about it, making it look like there was nothing she could have possibly done about this. But I'm not sure that's the case. We'll get there in a second. But first, there's also the issue of how this places the burden almost entirely on individual people. And you know who didn't shut their lights off? Roger's Place, along with basically all of downtown Calgary. And the casinos stayed open too. Like, individuals were asked to turn off their space heaters, but businesses kept running. And that'll tell you everything you need to know. But there's more here. So this was two days ago, when Alberta's energy regulator reported that they had more than 400 megawatts of additional supply available basically everywhere. They claimed the supply was just fine. But then, very strangely, a number of natural gas plants went offline. Ten natural gas plants currently are not producing. Now, some of those are under repair or construction but at least two were shut down. Probably unrelated, but Alberta also has floating electrical prices, so when demand is high, so is cost, which means that if you restrict supply, you can run up the price. Hmm. Probably unrelated to these massive price spikes, too. This isn't the last time that this issue is going to happen. Alberta has the most privatized electrical system in Canada, and this is the consequence. These outages did not happen because of renewables. The disruptions to renewables due to extreme cold weather are predictable, and we're prepared for them. There's surplus capacity for those cases. The reason why this happened is because the gas got turned off, and Albertans need to be asking why. 
and why they had to turn off their lights when big businesses didn't. There's larger issues here, folks. All right, all right. So a little little conspiracy-ish, but to your point and to my inner conspiracy theorist, I mean, he brought receipts, right? Like, is this a question that should be asked or people, should we start picking away at that scab? I, I think there are definitely good questions in there. I think, honestly, I think that if the government was interested in getting to the bottom of this, they should hold a public inquiry into what happened over the weekend. How did it go from on Thursday, the, the Alberta electric system operator basically saying, everything's fine. We got, we got a cushion. Don't need to worry about it. Um, to basically being in crisis for the full weekend. And this was something that Andrew Leach brought up on Twitter as well. Not a conspiracy theorist at all, but he made the point that how did their forecast fall apart that quickly? It wasn't wind and solar because they weren't predicting much in the way of wind and solar because it's January. Um, it, you know, so how did things go sideways that fast? Well, why did those gas plants get turned down? And I'm not, a, did, I'm not even close to being a conspiracy theorist. I'm just asking a fair question. You know, why, I why you are they, all in the conspiracy why, boat why, now. You're at, welcome. You know, why, when the mercury uh, is down around your ankles, do you shut off gas plants? Yeah. It's not like the forecast changed, like the weather forecast. They, they were saying minus 40 you know, on Wednesday, and it was minus 40 on Saturday, just like they predicted. So that didn't change. But you're right. There was a 300 megawatt um, gas facility that just for some reason tripped offline. Uh, that had a big impact on the amount of uh, reserve that the the system had to to be able to call upon. Have so, they have they answered that question? I mean, surely to God, I can't be the only one asking the question. Is anybody asking the question? I mean, I'm sure journalists are asking the question, and I'm sure the company is doing a no comment, or they're saying, you know, something to do something to do with the cold. I mean, this does happen. Um, you know, this is the, it was, the too, irony it, was it was too cold for them to generate power. Well, this is the irony of, of folks saying that that fossil fuels are, are you know, sort of uh, super reliable and they never fail um, in the, the Texas uh, situation back in 2021, I think, where they had those massive brownouts uh, in the winter storm. It was natural gas and coal that were the ones that went offline the most. Uh, they were the ones that froze up. They were the ones that that knocked offline. So. Fossil fuels can be just as uh, unreliable in some circumstances um, as as anything else, and I think I think a well designed system would account for that. It would say, of course, that you know, in a minus forty situation, maybe a facility or two is going to roll offline because something happens, and we need to have enough energy in reserve to account for that. We didn't. Max, I played the role of Grand Inquisitor in my younger days in, in theater, and uh, I demanded that Joan of Arc be executed. So I'm not I'm not being a grand inquisitor here. I'm just asking the question. Okay, uh, did the natural gas plant, the 300 megawatt, okay, did it get knocked off, or was it shut off? I don't think it was shut off. I, I think I think if someone consciously did that, uh, it would come out at some point. There would be hell to pay if it did. Um, I, th there's definitely been circumstances in less uh, dangerous. Uh, moments where I'm sure that these power plants have have talked to each other and said, well, if you go on vacation here and I go on vacation here, we can keep the prices up there. I have no doubt of that. I think in this case, it was probably maybe there was a transmission line that froze up. Maybe there was some critical component that froze up. Like it happens. These are these maybe are it was infallible. David Suzuki in a balaclava. You don't know. But the, the, point, the point, I guess the, I'll just I'll just shut, shut my uh, inquiry off at this point. We 
don't know whether it was shut off manually no. or whether the power yeah. shut it down. Right? We just don't know. I I really don't think it was shut off manually. I think I think the broader point though is we have designed a system that does not have enough right. safety right. built into it. Right? right. Um. You 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 build systems so they have redundancy and resilience. And our electricity grid in Alberta has none of that. Um, so, you know, on the offhand chance that that a 300 megawatt natural gas facility rolls offline, we're fucked. And that's what happened. Um, I just want to know, so, that I just know, I just want to know that we got effed by, you know, the electrician who couldn't stand out in the cold uh, holding up the copper wire, that that, that would be fair ball. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know that this happened naturally, not artificially. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I... I I don't I don't think I can be cynical enough to think that someone you know gave the order to shut down a facility to drive prices up in that moment. I think it would be even for me that's that's oh, a, and I wanna, I, a big I, swing I wanna, on the libs, right? Like wanna, that's one of those know, moments where you're like, you're like, like, you could build like a couple hundred thousand people yeah. just to, so you could take profit. I mean that that's going to jail for the rest of your life. That's the gulag, Correct. right? So yeah, I would agree with you, but I still think they did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not saying they did it. I just wanted to know whether or not we had evidence, yeah. uh, one way or the other. Uh, that way, it's it, you know, uh, you know, I, really, what I what I'm trying to do is is uh, stop my friend uh, Dean Blundell from going off the the edge <laughs> of the earth with his conspiracies. Balance. You're just trying if to offer can, a little balance. That's if we can, if we can prove that uh, you know nature did it, then the, the conspiracy isn't worth anything. But if we can't, if we don't even know that, then uh, then then yeah, the conspiracy is uh, interesting you know, timing though. See, I, I I'm, say, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as ticked off with the conspiracists as I am with the with the other guys who keep telling us that alternates aren't reliable. I mean, I just I just think that I, you know, I'm a hopeless centrist, I guess, Max. I mean, maybe you've got some sympathy for that. Uh, I do. Right. I do. I mean, I think the more profitable conspiracy theory is around the the emergency alert and and the language and wording around some of that stuff right. uh, because it did feel like someone was trying to advance an argument more than just tell people that they needed to cut their electricity yeah. usage. Yeah, well, and, and dude, like by downloading that responsibility to citizens in the entire city of Calgary, the entire city of Edmonton was like, nah, fucking keep the streetlights on, doesn't really matter. We're still playing a hockey game at Rexall, doesn't really matter. We're down yeah. at the Saddle Dome, who cares? Like, you know, it's when you're when you're saying this is for you, not for us, and you're asking people to make those kinds of sacrifices because you A, can't plan, B, can't read a hydrometer, like, you know, and that's the only job you have. I mean, you know, seriously, people are going to start asking questions. I, I want to pivot just for a quick second, though, because another big story that came out today. I don't know if you guys checked your bank accounts. I sure did. I got my carbon tax rebate. Max, did you get your carbon tax rebate? Sure did. Uh, did you get the the Albertan 400, as they say? Uh, I, I mean, I got what did we get? 337 and change, uh, which, you know, not bad. Uh, it's still frustratingly, it's still not labeled correctly. Um, so I, and I've had, I've talked to people in Gibo's office about yeah. this because it drives me up the wall saying, can you please get the banks to just label the deposit, you know, carbon tax rebate? That's it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we understand. We understand it's an issue. We're working on it. Nope. It still depends on which bank you're at. It's labeled differently. So some of them do say that some of them say Canada CAI, <laughs> Some of them just say Canada deposit. Canada tax incentive. Uh, I know one says that. Yeah. I, I kind of want to go. I know it's ridiculous, but I want to go through it real quick. Greg McEachern, who's a reporter, put this out today. This is a global story. 
this is sort of what everybody got today if you paid tax and if you're a tax-paying Canadian. The amount received depended on the size of the household. If you got one, two, three, four people in the house, five people in the house, and if you make more than 250, you didn't get this kind of rebate. Uh, 250 grand, that is. 386 in Alberta, so you got 337. Good for you. Manitoba, Chuck, did you get your 264? I don't uh, control my own oxygen supply or my bank account. I'm a puppet. I'm just a puppet. And I have no idea whether the uh, the, the puppeteer. Uh, you just get told. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't I got know whether or not strings. the people who pulled my strings uh, put any yeah, money yeah, yeah. in the account. Uh, 184 in New Brunswick, 328 in Newfoundland, 248 in Nova Scotia, 244 in Ontario, 240 in PEI, 340 in Saskatchewan. Now. I tweeted this morning that every single person that bitched and moaned and whined because that tax rebate actually is much more than what people were actually taxed at when it comes to the carbon tax itself. In some cases, it's 10 percent. In some cases, it's 60 percent. You're basically you're basically getting money back that the government was saying, hey, we need to help with the environment. So we're going to take point. I think it's zero three cents from every carbon dollar. Is that correct? Everything spent on fuel stuff that that releases carbon tax emissions, if I'm not mistaken. And we're going to give you this chunk of money back at the end of the year. That was the chunk of money. I'm seeing a lot of people that railed against this tax not only be really excited about getting this money, but they're also excited about the overage that they got and they're willing to cash that check. Um, I find that disingenuous. I've been telling people all morning long to hold the line. Don't comply. Don't comply with that rebate. <laughs> Send it back. If you feel that strongly about yeah. being taxed and getting an overage, actually more money back in, in the form of a rebate, if you feel that angry, you should stand by your principles and actually not take that money and not spend it. Can and we find out whether that pastor in Red Deer, can we find out whether or not the pastor in Red Deer is cashing oh. his carbon tax check? I can't he should be sen- He should be sending it back. Yeah. Yeah. Should should those people not be looking at that tax rebate this morning, whatever it was labeled on their statement and go, you know what? F. Trudeau, I really mean it. I'm sending it right back to the government. I don't want their dirty money. Isn't that what we're talking about here? I feel like people's principles tend to evaporate pretty quickly when it comes to free money. <laughs> you know, Max, let me ask uh, you, let me ask you about something else also <laughs> related to your own backyard. Um, mm. as, as every Alberta knows, but people listening elsewhere don't, um, Alberta got kicked in the, in the pills as it were, uh, with, uh, with child Tylenol. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the flu epidemic and COVID and everything else. Anyway, um, kids, uh, didn't have access to as much, uh, child Tylenol as they needed, um, because of supply chain issues. And so uh, Danielle Smith uh, and and her government uh, decided to put in a rush order for Tylenol that is a, a knockoff Turkish. made in Turkey. And Max, is is it or is it not true that it never really got into the the hands of of most kids? And is it or is it not true that that's a good thing because this stuff is dangerous potentially? So we we call that Trylenol here because they were they were trying. Um, so the, 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 this was just after Danielle Smith became premier. Uh, she won the leadership race and needed to own the libs. There was a shortage of Tylenol everywhere just because of supply chain stuff. And the feds had actually come out and said, no, it's good. We've secured orders for the country. It's going to come to the various provinces. It's on its way. But the UCP said, no, nah, we need to cut our own deal. So they, they went to this Turkish manufacturer of kind of off-label Tylenol. 
and sent them $75 million <laughs> to get it to, get it to come. So it comes, it comes late. It comes after all the, all the federally procured brand Tylenol is already in the pharmacies, all good. Um, it tastes terrible. Like the, the, the reports from doctors where the kids wouldn't take it because it tastes so bad. Um, it's actually dosed in a different dosage than Tylenol normally is. So there was confusions about how to give it to people. Eventually, the, because the pharmacies didn't want them or they, they wasn't selling in the pharmacy, the, the government said, okay, we'll give it to the, the hospitals and the hospitals will use all this up. The hospitals came back and said, uh, this is actually making potentially kids sicker. It's clogging up the, uh, the tubes that we, the intravenous tubes that we get used to, to feed it to infants. Turns out they actually weren't supposed to, it wasn't cleared by Health Canada for infants to begin with, but we were still giving it to them. And eventually they had to, they had to yank it because there was a risk of, I think, uh, some sort of serious reaction. Now, thankfully it never happened to any infants, but the, the, the doctors in Alberta Health Services said it was just too big of a risk to give it to them. So we then tried to offload the bad Tylenol to Saskatchewan because they're our, like, our dumb cousin. Saskatchewan said, no, thank you. We don't want that garbage. It's no good. So it's going to expire. Uh, I think maybe five million of the the eighty million we spent on it is going to have gone into people's, uh, you know, been used, and the rest of it is just waste, uh, trial and all. But but you know, they, it was a great opportunity to own the libs. They had a little sign on the front of the podium when they made the announcement that said, "Help is on the way." Uh, so help help was definitely on the way. It was a great metaphor for uh, the Smith government and and the way that it thinks it can help people. I have a question. <clears throat> you yep. as an Albertan, how do you believe this shit? Like, how is it that the entire province believes, you know, from these examples, not only did you almost freeze to death the whole fucking province this weekend, not only did the Tylenol debacle cost you 75 million soul sourced, by the way, uh, that just went to a buddy who broke oh. the deal. Right? right. Yeah. By the way, there, there are uh, some very, um, dubious connections between who procured that and, and really? the government. Really? So some, so some lobbyist, money. some lobbyists that may be friendly with uh, the, the government may have made a commission. Really? I believe, I believe the person who procured it, one of their children works for the UCP, I believe. Um, but either way that, you know, that's for our great investigative reporters here in Alberta to dig into the bottom of, I'm sure they'll get there in due course. Um, but why do, why do we put up with this? Because if you tell people here that doing something will own the libs, it's like they're willing to eat so much more shit uh, just to get there, right? Yeah. Like if you say like you know we're gonna we're gonna double your taxes, but we're gonna do it to build a big statue of Justin Trudeau where his face is a turd, people would be like, I'm in, <laughs> done, make it happen. You know, I want to see and, the turd statue so, so bad so, now. So hang on. We, we've been talking for years about how, um, you know, Alberta could, you know, achieve a great deal with a, a sales tax. You can't. Are you just uh, going to gloss but, over the giant statue of Trudeau? with well, a no, just, I, 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 Like, you're just going to keep going, Max? Just like funny and you want to get just, serious. Alberta, does, uh, Alberta doesn't have a provincial sales tax. And one yep. of the reasons that, and uh, not to get into the policy wonk weeds too much here with equalization, but the point is all those equalization dollars that Albertans imagine are going to Quebec from the pockets of Alberta, there'd be less of those dollars going uh, to Quebec and other uh, have-not provinces like Manitoba, where I live, uh, if, if, if Alberta had a provincial uh, sales tax, and that would achieve 
a whole lot of things on the on, in terms of public service. But you can't uh, advocate for provincial uh, sales tax in Alberta. It's it's verboten, and I, I get that. I did enough talk radio out there. Uh, it, it's a total loser. However, Max, if the provincial sales tax wasn't called a provincial sales tax, if it was called an F. Trudeau tax, would Albertans favor it? I think you would see like a 20 point increase in support for it. Yeah. I think, I think if it was a, you know, uh, an FST, a fuck shitty Trudeau uh, tax, like, you know, whatever the acronym is, I think you get a lot more people to buy in on it. Um, you know, simply because anything that, that pokes that guy in the eye, uh, is a winner here. Uh, and, and to their credit, I mean, credit, but you know, um, yeah, to their credit. I mean, the UCP understands that. They understand that they can go really far with with this as the sort of uh, as the shield in front of their policy choices, um, which is you know, honestly, you know, I, I'm obviously someone who prefers Justin Trudeau's politics uh, as incompetent as they are sometimes to to Pierre Polyev's. But one of the good things about Polyev winning the next election is that a lot of this stuff would go away, right? That you wouldn't be able to justify bad decisions, bad investments, bad governance on the basis that it owns the federal government because the federal government would suddenly be, uh, you know, run by the, the virtuous uh, Prince King uh, rather than, than Trudeau. So like the, Alberta has big progressive Albertans actually have an upside in, in a poly of government because it would take away uh, this fig leaf that the UCP puts over all of its business. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. That's the first time I've ever heard you advocate for a Polyev government there, Max. Way to go. It's it's like the walls are closing in. You're starting to believe the <laughs> polls. What's going on? Hey, look, I just I just have to start preparing for for all eventualities. Yeah, that's good. You you always should. Um, listen, dude, I want to thank you for being here today. I know we called you last second just to get your expertise, not just about climate change, but about what's going on in Alberta and your incredible weekend. Also, really happy you could weigh in on the carbon tax uh, debacle. I hope that you cash that check because you believe in it. You're entitled to that money. I hope I hope other people stand next to their principles and send that money right back to you or to our GoFundMe. That would be nice too if you want to do that. That'd be yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to say if they want to send it to me, I'm more than happy to take it. <laughs> I would too. Uh, appreciate you being here, Max. As always, uh, lead columnist, Canada's National Observer uh, is where you can find him at Max Fawcett on Twitter. Thanks for your input. Stop looking so good on these calls, please, because my girlfriend watches these. She's going to get pissed. Yeah. She's going to get pissed. She's going to be like, why don't you do your I, hair like that? Why don't you color it? Max's hair you looks so much younger than you. What's the deal with the <laughs> turtleneck? Why don't you start wearing those? Look, it's important to have something to aspire to. So I'm happy to, to yeah. be, be that be that for I you. Be but no, in all, in all seriousness, thank you for having me on. It's always fun with you guys. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks so much. And Max, I really appreciate uh, someone who uh, plays uh, center ice, as it were, uh, in political commentary, as well as Connor McDavid plays center ice in hockey. And my apologies if the fact that you were living in Calgary uh, and I brought in uh, an Edmonton Oiler, I hope that you're open-minded enough to accept that I'm not trying to jam Edmonton down your throat. I simply yeah, think Connor McDavid is one of the Look. greatest center uh, centers who ever lived. And I'm someone who is old enough to remember Jean Beliveau and a number of other people like that. But Connor McDavid just blows my socks off. I am once and always a Canucks fan, so Oilers and Flames are equally garbage to me. Oh, right. you're having a good year. Congratulations, Max. Well, it was due. We haven't had one in a decade. Not as good as our year. The Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Number one in the league. They are. 
Number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, and, and Toronto's just like, uh, we're just waiting for the playoffs so we can have another disappointment. Toronto, Toronto, will, Toronto will win the Stanley Cup any yeah. moment. Toronto doesn't have to finish in the top 10 no. to win the Stanley Cup. They win no. the Stanley Cup every year without doing well during the regular Before season. Before the season starts. Yeah, yeah, Before we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. Max, thanks, buddy. Good to see you. All right, Take guys. Thanks, Max Prostit, Canada's National Observer lead columnist. Um, wow. I love having that guy on. I wanted to get to this one story that I didn't get a chance to get to with him, but I wasn't sure as to whether or not he would want to talk about urinal etiquette. I know no, you do. Uh... <laughs> well, I, here, let me tell you the story before you get all like a Dean. Seriously, can we not do this? I thought we were past this content. No, we're not. Clearly. Be yourself. Thank you, buddy. I mean, um, be so, yourself, big hog. Be yourself. Thanks, Truth Wolverine. So I'm at the airport yesterday, you, as you know, because we chatted, and picking someone up, and he needed to use the washroom before this person got there. I'm like, I better pee before we get to baggage, right? You know, I hate having one in the chamber. I like to be clean. I don't like to feel like I have to be somewhere. I get anxious if I have to go to the bathroom. It's one of those things. So I go to the urinal. Massive bathroom at Pearson in Toronto, right? It's got like 20 urinals. So me being the urinal etiquette guy I am, I go to the very end urinal, very last one, right? Because, like, I don't want to chance anybody going on one side of me or the other. Like, if I'm going to have – someone's going to have an option, they're going to be on one side. At least I'll have one side clean. I don't like I don't like peeing between people. I just don't. It's just one of those things. So I go to the very end urinal. Keep in mind it's empty. About three seconds after I get there, a gentleman walks in, massive bathroom, 15, 12, 15 urinals, open. He comes to the urinal right next to me, right next to me. And I was so uncomfortable. I actually stopped. <laughs> you stopped. And went to the other end of the urinal bank and proceeded to finish peeing. You've Legit. got amazing. You've got amazing self-control. Unreal flow control. You know? Yeah, yeah. All um, of you recovering alcoholics have amazing self-control. It blows my mind. Well, here's the question I have. Do you get as anxious as I do when you're using a urinal and there's like because there's urinal etiquette, right? You don't want to be between people. You want to kind of find a place at the end. But if you're in the mix, if you're out of urinal and you're doing your business and there's plenty of urinals, so it's like a parking spot, like a wide open parking spot. I feel the same way, right? You park away from people and, and there's like a million spots around you. Someone parks right next to you. Is that not weird? Is it not weird for someone to hustle up next to you when there are 15 other urinals? 15 feet away from me as I'm doing my business. Do you not find that odd? When I, you know, I live in Manitoba. So, you know, when I get out of my car on the, on the highway and I go into the, the woods to take a leak, I'm always upset when a deer, a wolf, a wolverine, a chipmunk want to share my space. Just, it really, <laughs> it really ticks me off. Um, no, but I'm I live with it. Serious. I live I'm with it. I'm being serious. I don't. Like, I don't. I've never. I've never. I've never paid attention to where other people are, are located when I'm when you're using focused, a urinal. You when haven't. I'm, when I'm. When I'm. No, it doesn't matter. I look. I give you an example. Yeah. Uh, at the Winnipeg Arena, the old Winnipeg Arena, where the Jets first played, where I was part of the broadcast Rock. crew and all the rest of it, we had these big troughs. Yeah. Okay. So we were. You know, we had at intermission. We'd go to this huge trough, and all of us would would obviously stand uh, incredibly close to each other because there were thousands of us piling into the the can to use the trough. So none of us uh, none of us were concerned about 
uh, urinal etiquette, uh, urinal uh, real estate, uh, urinal anything. Uh, it, it was it was just the way it was. So that's what that's what I'm used to. I'm not different I'm not time. used to being that's concerned about time. how close the next the next uh, you know um, uh, penis is. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. It's not about the penis. That's the thing. I was like I've had a guy I was in the Eaton Center years ago. How do you how do you piss without a penis for? Well, you pee with it. your penis, obviously. That's what I do. Anyway, I know other people do, and other people pee differently depending on their medical situation or their their gender. So, but 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 my point is this: is that I think it's weird. I think it's weird that you would avail yourself right next to another person when there are when there's lots of urinals available. Right. I get it. Do you know what I mean? I get it. Yeah, no, I I I know what you, you mean. Me just, you're, at, you're asking me whether or not I've ever had that situation and whether it dis discomforts me. And and I don't know because I've never paid attention to oh, where dude, other I'm, people are situated you, because I'm used to, to I'm used to just sharing the trough where, no, where people no, when are I come there to you, We're going to go to Earl's or something and we're going to yeah. go to the bathroom at the same time. We're going to use urinals and I'm going to sidle right up next to you to make you okay. uncomfortable just so you All can right. see how I felt. Happened in the Eaton Center when I was at the Edge years ago. Walking upstairs, had to pee, going to the bathroom. Guy comes and stands right next to me, and he gives me one of these. Hey, how you doing? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> hey, hey, how you doing? He says. How and I'm you like, doing? <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe I got PTSD. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to my next trip to Costco. Uh, and one of the reasons I love going to Costco is they've got uh, everything, you know, large parking spots. Yeah. Right. So, you know, your door never gets dinged. So I love that. Yeah. And very large uh, urinals, large, large bathroom. Totally. And it's perfect for someone like you, because even if someone is next to you, technically, yeah, they're an acre away from you. Massive right? bathroom. I was in yeah. the Costco this last weekend. Two things. Yeah. Loved the bathroom. Always right. have to go to the washroom right. when I go to a yeah. big box store. It's like a trigger. Mm -hmm. The second thing is I introduced my kids to the $1.50 hot dog and pop drink. Yeah. Uh, now, did they have the, the, did they have the, the did they have the beef hot dog or the what they beef. call the, the Polish the Polish yeah. sausage? Yeah. Which is pork, of course. No, they got the $1.50. Have you do you not have to get one? Well, no, they're, they're both no, no, but they're both the same price. The Polish, what they call the Polish sausage, yeah, which is a pork hot dog. Yes. Is the same price as the beef hot dog. I just wanted to know whether your kids were Having beef or pork, that's all. I introduced them to the hot dog. One guy had beef, another guy had pork. And my son, who's 24, wheels up to me at Costco. I come out of the bathroom and goes, yo, I'm going to buy us all lunch. I'm like, that's great. He spent $4.50 on lunch for three people because he got the hot dogs and the yeah. fountain drink. Couldn't yeah. believe it. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you, you can't believe that? Come into the bathroom. Journals right. for miles. You know whether and whether or not you want to eat in the bathroom because the bathrooms are clean. Yeah. Uh, the fries and and uh, and not wings. The fries and uh, fingers. The fries and chicken fingers. Incredible. Are also a great deal. Yeah. At, at Costco. Three fifty. Let's not forget the seven dollar ninety nine cent rotisserie yeah. chicken, Chuck. Yeah. We can't forget seven ninety nine chicken and the ice cream is also uh, and the pizza. I mean, I, I don't mean to do a commercial for Costco, but. You know, we're always talking about affordability here, and uh, Costco is uh, ahead of the curve. I mean, giving you, totally. I don't know, 1980s prices, so it's it's one of the places that offers affordability. And where and else can you get six spots. fluid liters of ketchup, right? Yeah. Exactly. Dude, I'm so happy we ended on this note. I'm happy we ended on urinals and I don't know if I'm happy. I'll, I'll decide later or not whether I'm happy with you. <laughs> How many of you watch this? I'll defer, I'll defer judgment on all of this. <laughs>
I won't. I enjoyed it. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I'm really well, happy. Listen, I, I just, I, 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 some, I sometimes break out in, in a rash when you get into the conspiracy stuff. But here's, here's what I want to say, just to leave you with something positive. Yes, sir. You went for an entire hour without attacking religion, specifically Christianity. And I don't know how you did that. But once again, uh, the self-control that stops peeing today also stopped um, Christ bashing. I don't Christ bash. Yes, you do. Uh, yes, no, you do. You, you deny you deny the existence of the Savior. No, you deny everlasting mean... life. You Wrong. deny heaven. You deny hell. You deny the <laughs> yeah, essence deny of what it means sure. to be you. Yeah, I deny heaven and hell. I don't deny Jesus exists. That's a whole other podcast. No, no, like I'm talking about I'm talking about Jesus as well. He as, was a philosopher. As, as he no, no, you deny that Jesus lives today. Yeah, you I deny do. your personal relationship with the Lord. I, I that's totally, what you deny, and it offends me. <laughs> yeah, you offend you are me. Totally offended. You you offend me. I, you want <laughs> you want the truth? You know, we 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 talk about being deprogrammed, telling the truth. Yeah, I love you. Your brother, but you, you offended. I stopped doing it. I stopped, dude. I I went to hit send on a tweet today about it, and I'm like, don't do it. Chuck will be mad, and I'm not even kidding you. I'm like, don't do it. Chuck's right. People need hope. Don't do it. Don't cry. Well, yeah, I mean that, that that that's my thing. I mean, uh, I know that you you know you're anti-religious and all the rest of it, but uh, re religion uh, has offered more people more hope than some of the snake oil that you and I have been selling in a in a previous life. I would disagree. All right. But that's just for me. I would agree for others, which is why I'm trying really hard not to. Yeah, do no, it. I'm not. I'm not. But it, it, this isn't about you. I'm talking about the mass of humanity. You have to believe in things larger than yourself. You have to believe that humanity is more than just you. I do. And your poly sausage. <laughs> All beef, dude. 150. <laughs> Charles Adler. This is reprogrammed. I am Dean Blundell. Hopefully, we've helped you understand the electrical grid, conspiracy theories, urinal etiquette today. We really appreciate your time. The Truth Wolverine has his own podcast. It's called the Charles Adler Podcast. Get it, sub, anywhere you get your fine podcast. He's the voice of media in this country. He's the conscience of media in this country. He's actually my conscience and my mentor as well. That conversation we just had about religion, we've had it a thousand times, and it's way less nice, and he's right. So I listen to Charles. You should, too. Go and download his podcast anywhere you get your fine podcasts. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. I'm Charles Adler. <laughs> Hey, there you go. He gives it to me about religion, then he does that business. That's why I love that man. There's no greater human being on the planet. He's my mentor, and he rips me. It's the best. Uh, download Charles's podcast wherever you get your fine podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us and Max and Charles today talking about some fun shit from the weekend. Listen, if you're from the province of Alberta, Chuck makes no bones about it. I don't either. I love you. I spent my formative years there. I live for the good people of Alberta. I've got relatives in Alberta. And I was super tuned into the idea this weekend that some of you might have been real cold. And listen, we love you. 
we love this country as a whole. We love every single province. It's the uniqueness of what we do. It's the federation of this beautiful country. So when we talk about Alberta, we talk about it like you're our brothers and sisters. However, you are kettled by some super idiots right now. So maybe vote those guys out soon. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Anyway, thanks everybody for tuning in. want to thank our partners and sponsors at Cantorque for making this possible. Cantorque, they are makers of rugged, hardworking torque tools, Canada's leading industrial tool experts. they got a brand new website. Go to cantorque.com today. Check them out. Uh, they have every bolting torque wrench solution from custom fabrication to calibration to manufacturing that you could want in any heavy industry. It could be nuclear, railroad, steel, forestry, heavy machinery. It doesn't matter. They do it all for industry around the world. And Colin Livingston, he's your guy. Go to cantorque.com for more information today. They do everything in Canada, unlike other uh, heavy machinery or tool making companies. They manufacture here in Canada, not overseas. They take advantage of Canadian know how. They don't care what it costs. They just want to make sure that they make the very best torque wrenches in the world, and they do. So for bolting solutions that you need, you can't find one, go to cantorque.com today. Also, thanks to our friends at Ed's Fine Imports. Gitch, buy three, get one for free when you use promo code GITCH3 at checkout. Ed'sfineimports.com. Gitch, and then the number three is your promo code. Luxury branded boxer briefs engineered for any level of performance as well as everyday life. Use that promo code to get an extra pair when you buy three or more. If you pump in your email address, you'll get another 15% off your entire purchase. Receive exclusive access to new arrivals, promotions, contests, invites, and more. So go to edsfineimports.com today and check them out. Make sure you get a pair of these gitch. I wear them all the time. Weird. So does my girlfriend. I know, right? Uh, it's nice sleepwear for the ladies too, fellas. These are... These are highly versatile. Uh, you might buy them, but she might keep them. Edsfineimports.com. Check them out today. And, of course, brought to you by Muse on the Mic, uh, Canada's number one body rub podcast. These are advocates for the sex industry and the sex work industry. Emily and Riley just dropped a new podcast tomorrow. These are beautiful people, by the way, super smart entrepreneurs. They're owners of Muse Massage Spa, which you can visit if you're in Toronto, number one body house in all of Toronto and Canada, as a matter of fact. Um, lovely people. It's 1290 Finch Avenue West, and you can check them out today, musemassagespa.com, but download their podcast. They just dropped a new one about the industry, about being working women, about being entrepreneurs, and what it's like to own a business in that industry, and they're fun, man. Emily's awesome. Riley's awesome, so check out their podcast. You'll love it. Muse on the mic, wherever you get your fine podcasts. Thanks to our friends at Muse, 1290 Finch Avenue West downtown Toronto. That's it for us. Have a great day, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Don't forget, you can do again everything we do at uh, crier.co. Again, crier media is crier.co. Check us out there. You can also download and sub to our podcast anywhere you get your fine podcast reprogrammed is uh, Dean Blundell show. So you can go and check that out on YouTube. You can do the same thing with crier media on YouTube, anywhere you get your fine podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, etc. Have a great day. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for giving us your time. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, and NBC Sports. 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice in the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.